Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. This week we're trying to connect the dots. We start with the massive salmon die-off, which it seems like Fisheries Minister Jerry Byrne covered up for nearly three weeks. He might have done so longer if the Fishers Union didn't blow the whistle. But the unregulated aquaculture industry is only one part of the story here. The bigger story is the natural resource sector in general in Newfoundland and Labrador, and how industry calls the shots, be it aquaculture, mining, or the offshore. Yes, on the salmon die-off, there's been outrage over the death of 2.6 million salmon, The NDP and the Atlantic Salmon Federation have helped keep the story in the news. But there's little in the way of opposition to the general economic direction of the government. Farm it, drill it, dig it, regardless of the consequences. In this regard, we note the silence of the two Mi'kmaq First Nations on the island, Halibu and Miobagag. Imagine the moral authority, perhaps even legal authority, that Halibu and Miobagag would have if they took on the government over its ecologically destructive approach to development. But despite calls from its members to take a stand on issues such as sea-based aquaculture and mining on caribou migratory routes, Halibu has remained silent. Meanwhile, Meobagag is in a commercial relationship with the company behind the aquaculture operation, Northern Harvest, providing various support services for the aquaculture operation. And there's more. Between them, Halibu and Miobagig own a marine management partnership called MAMCA. Northern Harvest has asked MAMCA to monitor the environmental cleanup of the salmon die-off. We'll see if MAMCA agrees with the biologist who says the damage to the marine environment from 2.6 million rotting fish is equivalent to that of an oil spill. So how do we find a way forward that puts citizens and the planet first? That's the topic for our chat with Stephen Tomlin, retired political science professor and a frequent commentator on provincial affairs. Stephen Tomlin is also one of the creators of Podco, that's P as in Peter, a new podcast on provincial affairs. I spoke with him about the podcast, aquaculture, and the missing elements in the environmental conversation in Newfoundland and Labrador. We came up with this idea of PodCo, um, Laurie and uh, Luke Ashworth, my department, and and I, uh, Laurie Leotes, and we were kind of looking for venues that uh, would bring different voices together and provide more kind of in-depth analysis of things that aren't really being discussed and do a, you know, doing it more from a evidence-based, citizen-based approach as opposed to um, some of the normal partisan territorial approaches uh, to decision-making. So 
um, that's what we've we've uh, been attempting to do. <laughs> it's in the, the early stages, and it's on Facebook, and it's in uh, on Twitter, and and uh, it's, it seems again we've uh, taped the, the second um, kind of version, and and we're uh, going to do the third next week, and so we're uh, we're quite excited about. It. Great. Well, well, good luck with that. Let's turn to the uh, one of the big issues in Newfoundland politics and environment these days, the salmon die-off. We heard from mm-hmm. the Premier uh, late um, this week that he was going to be seeing the Minister of Fisheries, Jerry Byrne. I think that meeting was scheduled for yesterday, Thursday. We're talking yeah. about Friday. Um, do you think uh, when the Premier meets with his minister, he will be satisfied with the way the minister has dealt with the salmon die-off matter? Well, the, the whole thing has been very bizarre, I think, right, right from the start. I mean, there's been well over a month where we've had this ecological disaster and uh, kind of off the radar screen and lack of action or activity in the, in the part of uh, the minister and not really going down for a long period of time. And then when he went down, he was uh, really there for kind of a photo op. Um, even the idea of a prime or a premier meeting uh, after all this time a member of his cabinet i mean they're they're on, they're on the the same team i mean they're 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 accountable they're supposed to be uh, addressing or dealing with policy failure which this was policy failure and and that's that that hasn't happened um so it's been a, a bit of a circus even adding further to the the circus uh, is what happened during the federal campaign where you had the, the Trudeau um, leadership uh, taking a position in British Columbia uh, completely opposite to what the, the thinking is here on the part of the, the, the liberal uh, government. And that in B.C. in part because of protests, but also because of some of the evidence that's being produced in terms of some of the challenges associated and some of the risks associated with that industry um, in BC, according to the Trudeau Liberals, they're moving out of the ocean and they're going to they're going to be doing any fish farming. They're going to be doing it on land. Um, so again, the kind of question: if if it's a, a good idea, if there aren't risks, if the outcomes are positive, whether it's you know the creation of jobs or or protecting the ocean or or what have you, um, why would it not make sense to have? kind of a common policy across the country. I mean, territory has really little to do um, with, I don't think, fish or, or destruction or, or what have you of, of kind of the, uh, the, the, the ocean. Um, so it's uh, in, in terms of public policy, in terms of if you think about the needs of the citizens or the, the needs of those uh, that rely upon the ocean or the ocean itself and the very species which are within the ocean, um, it, it seems rather bizarre um, that we're having these kinds of conversations and, and not having this kind of recognition or understanding, this was a policy failure. Um, you have to deal or address the, the issues. You have to go down and meet with the communities. You have to actually examine what's taking place. What are the yeah. electoral politics uh, that might help us understand what's going on here? In the aquaculture areas on the south coast, most of those districts are held by the minority liberals at this time. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, I suppose, you know, being a government, they have one eye over their shoulder at, at for uh, at the next election. Do you, how do you how do you think it's playing in a in a very political way on on the south coast? Is uh, would people 
uh, would the government's handling of the die-off make it more or less likely they'll vote to liberal in the next provincial election? Yeah, I think I mean, that's, that's kind of the sad thing about all of this. I mean, politics is about gaining um, you know, credit and, and avoiding blame. Um, as opposed to necessarily solving issues and, and problems and producing better better outcomes. I mean, this is a this is a mess. Um, you had the you know the, the minister first not really wanting to take the blame uh, for this mess, not even attempting to go down to figure out what is the, the nature of the mess and what's, what what are the outcomes and what needs to be done in order to ensure that uh, it's fixed and then is, is is preventive. Everything he did was was reactive as opposed to proactive. So he even went to the extent, again, in terms of the politics, the partisan politics, he blamed Ottawa. Uh, or tried to blame Ottawa because Ottawa, for the most part, is responsible for some of this dumping or is supposed to be overseeing this dumping. Uh, he blamed the company as somehow that the, the reason that the information took so long to get out that somehow, which he came up with this kind of mythical idea that he didn't have the power, the capacity to make, make this, this, this public. Um, so I think in terms of the partisan politics or the effort to, to play politics, there was a lot of that. Um, what we're, we haven't seen and what we're not seeing is a uh, kind of an approach which is much more focused upon citizens, much more focused in terms of policy, uh, much more focused in terms of kind of fixing this mess. Um, so he spent, and again, I think the biggest challenge with what Jerry Byrne has done is he spent all this time worrying about the politics or how what this looks like. Um, it's, it's like if, if you had some kind of crisis within a hospital and there's a problem with the patient, if you had a, a doctor running around trying to figure out how to not get blamed or be accountable for some of the mistakes that are made within the hospital. Um, so, you know, even if you survive, would you like that type of doctor <laughs> operating on your on your behalf? So, so there's no question. Um, aquaculture and again connections with the community and, and the various interests that are involved in terms of preserving it um, obviously don't want to be seen as, as being um, you know attacked and, and, and the rest of it but on the other hand if it's not properly managed if it's a, an industry which is risky at best um, that you have to basically kind of figure out if you're going to promote that industry um, how, how you're going to do it effectively. Um, and again, right from the start, we've, we've, you know, Newfoundland Labrador is, is putting a lot of effort and making this really a priority, building this industry all across the, the island. And there's uh, been, again, in the past, um, this kind of a, a problem of bypassing environmental reviews, of saying, well, we've got this in hand and everything is fine and, and, and don't worry about it. Um, but when we have this policy failure, uh, especially coming up from Muskrat Falls, there was a real concern in terms of wh who made these mistakes? Um, what, what is actually going on? Uh, what needs to be done? Who's responsible? And that, you know, at the end of the day, the minister in a cabinet parliamentary system is accountable. He is responsible for this, um, and, and he's, he's not wearing it. The other thing I found kind of strange after the federal election, the federal election it really didn't focus very much on aquaculture, and the only time it really was focused on aquaculture <coughs> was when the prime minister uh, took a very different position in, in, in British Columbia. Yet Jerry Byrne, after this was over, uh, kind of you know, indicated that there was a, a consensus um, as a result of the, the results of the federal election supporting aquaculture, which mm -hmm. I, I don't think there was any evidence that that was the case at all.
But I wonder if we did a, and I, I don't think one has been done, but if we did a survey right now in Newfoundland and Labrador and asked them about uh, aquaculture any, or maybe the offshore also, wouldn't we not find that yeah. there w would be a lot of public support for the expansion of, of aquaculture and expansion of the offshore? Maybe people are delighted yeah. to know that all these wells are scheduled to be drilled over the next uh, yeah. couple of decades. No, I th I think you're right, and and the reason that is the the, the case is because um, this is kind of manipulated. Citizens don't really have an opportunity to kind of reflect or actually look at look at the evidence. So so public opinion. If you look at public opinion, Busquad Falls was very popular, um, and the premier was very popular, but he manipulated, uh, you know, the and and prevented uh, kind of the access to information that probably would have changed the public's views. And so, in a sense, the public is is confused because there aren't venues in terms of looking, really actually looking and examining some of these projects in, in detail. Yes, and I wonder in the Newfoundland context if uh, an aspect of what you're talking about uh, is explained by uh, the one of the ways that we're a, a have-not province is we do not have a um, an effective environmental movement. We have various organizations. We have people who are interested in wild salmon and protecting wild salmon, the salmon preservationists, which who have been quite vocal on, uh, That's on right. the issue of the die-off. But there's no coherent environmental movement uh, in Newfoundland. And I suppose that yeah. voice uh, louder in different parts of the country is relatively silent uh, in Newfoundland. We don't have that counterbalance. There's no question. Um, having the capacity, having the ability to mobilize requires uh, leadership and it requires resources, um, not only within government, but also within civil society. And we often um, underestimate the extent to which within civil society there are competing forces. Um, and, you know, provinces like Alberta, um, there's a very kind of powerful environmental movement or movements and, 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 and various, you know, interests that are very concerned about that. And Newfoundland and Labrador, as you suggest, the kind of the, the, the people in terms of uh, preserving salmon and the Federation provided a capacity or, or the, the ability to, to, to contest um, the government and to even to go to court. Um, so there's no question that if you want or uh, think that opposition or contesting power is good, um, part of that has to do probably within the democratic system itself in terms of how decisions are made. That also has to do with probably providing uh, resources and or incentives um, and leadership within within civil society itself. So whether it's you know, First Nation communities, whether it's municipalities, um, whether it's uh, uh, NGOs or, or, or even having uh, different forms of media uh, representing diverse voices. Um, that's, I think that's, that's a healthy thing. Mm. And there's no question that certain civil societies um, have probably more resources um, than others in, in order to, to, to mobilize. And that's, that, that does make a difference in terms of contesting power. Well, that's the, maybe that's a good place for us to close. You mentioned First Nations, and of course in, in Newfoundland we have two. Uh, on the island we have... Um, uh, to uh, Mi'kmaq First Nations, and on the island, we hear, um, I think it's fair to say, uh, nothing from the two um, Mi'kmaq First Nations, one of which is the largest First Nation in Canada. So it might be that going forward, perhaps those First Nations will find an environmental voice uh, rather than looking for the um, the uh, economic uh, benefit as yep. they, they currently do. So perhaps... Uh, that's something that we can uh, watch for to see if it develops in the future. 
Well, right across the country, that basically much of that strength has come from First Nations. Um, you know, many of the people who are concerned about uh, climate, people are concerned about citizens, people are concerned about the evidence and, and the impacts. Um, for the most part, um, that kind of leadership and that kind of framework has, has come from the First Nations themselves. And, and again, they, and, and, and as you know, in Western Canada, they're, you know, they're, they're not talking about monoliths because there are differences across different um, communities. Um, but uh, I think there is a very different uh, approach in terms of how we, even how we work together or how, or how we collaborate, which again is, is a more, I think, significant kind of uh, impact or influence within within First Nation communities as opposed to um, other communities in Canada, which then tend to be more individualistic. Um, but but I think you know, in terms of preserving the earth, in terms of uh, maintaining some form of balance um, and, and you know finding ways even in terms of coming together and being less partisan, more focused in terms of the impacts of the communities themselves. I think um, really the, it's the First Nations that have provided that form of leadership. Stephen Tomlin of Pogco. Look for the podcast on Facebook or iTunes. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Mi'obigag First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.